Never leave the stage without grabbing your passage. (laughs) Apologies. So as we turn to our final section of the passage, we can see these teachings in action. In fact, in these passages, we're going to see the entire gospel. This is because as we look at Jesus' dealing with the ten lepers, we need to realize the symbolism of God in the time of Moses, when in the law of Moses, of leprosy. He used leprosy as a complete and near enough perfect symbol of sin. And we see this in Leviticus 13 and 14. In Leviticus 13, God instructs the priest to physically check the people of the camp, the people who were um, in God's camp, where God dwells, and when they're checking the skin of these people, they're checking for leprosy. And in Leviticus 13, at least ten times we see the phrase, check for an infection that is more than skin deep. Check that it's an infection that is below the surface. Below the surface. is a picture of sin. Where sin, we can look perfect on the outside to anybody who sees, but underneath the skin, there's a death sentence. There's, there's pus. There's horrible things going on under the skin. And God uses leprosy as this picture of sin, as we'll, as we'll carry on seeing. When the priest inspected a person, if they had leprosy, this is what, they, what would happen to them. Anyone with, this is Leviticus 13, verses 45 and 46, anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have leprosy, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. So anybody with leprosy, or you can, when, when I say leprosy, think of sin, they are sent away from the presence of God, away from God's people, to live outside the camp under a death sentence. As you can see here, they even look dead. Their clothes are torn. Their hair is unkempt. And they're to cry out, unclean, unclean, stay away. And this is the position the ten lepers are in when they meet Jesus outside of Jerusalem, outside of the village. They're not allowed in. They're outside. They're at the gates. They're not allowed in the presence of God, where the temple is, where God's... Uh, where God was supposed to dwell. They weren't allowed in. They're there under a death penalty. And what do they do? Thinking of our other passages, they recognize Jesus as Lord, as Master. In verse 13 we see this. And they shout out, don't they? They shout out to him in desperation. They understand. They're under this death penalty. They're shouting out in desperation. Lord, Master, have mercy on us. Because they not only recognize Jesus as Lord, they recognize him as the one who can heal them, who can bring them back to life, can bring them back into the presence of God. 
And what do they do also? They are obedient to their Lord. He doesn't heal them straight away, which seems a bit strange thinking about the other miracles of Jesus. No, he says, go and show yourself to the priests. They're obedient to his message. They recognize him as Lord, and they follow him as Lord. And during that time, on their way, then they're cleansed. They're obedient to the Lord, and they're cleansed. They're rewarded with healing. They followed his commands, and in his mercy and grace, it was poured out on them, their healing. And then they could return to the city where God dwells. That death sentence finished immediately. And there's two different reactions here, isn't there, to God's grace and mercy. Nine out of the ten lepers were made well and never came back to thank and praise God. Never came back to thank and praise him. They were healed by the Lord's compassion. It doesn't say he revoked that healing. He listened to their cries of distress and healed them. But they, they called him Lord. They kind of were obedient to him as Lord, but they didn't recognize him in Lord because they didn't come back like the one out of the ten lepers and praise God, shouting out praise to his name. The one leper, he was saved by his faith. Jesus says, your faith in me as Lord, that faith was shown in your obedience and that faith is now shown in your thanks and your glory to God because of this healing. And he's commended by Jesus to it. So he, they were all cleansed. And let's, I want us to finish and show you the gospel here in, in Leviticus, the gospel of leprosy and what we see in Leviticus 14, what would happen when these lepers in the Old Testament times or before Jesus were outside of the camp, the Lord sometimes would heal them. But then there was a, a ritual for the priest to follow, a ceremony for the priest to follow and the one that was cleansed or going to be cleansed. And we find this in Leviticus 14. In Leviticus 14.3, the priest goes outside the camp to bring him back to God's presence. Picture Jesus. He's, he left the presence of God in heaven, came to earth outside of that wonderful camp to bring us back to God. In verses 4-7, to seven, you see two birds. The priest is given two birds. One is killed, and the blood of that bird that's killed is poured over the live bird, and then the live bird is set free. It's another picture of Christ. We, the live bird is set free. We are set free, covered by the blood of another. A death has happened. A sacrifice is made so that we can be set free. In verses 8 and 9, you see the one to be cleansed, before he can enter the camp, has to go and bathe and wash and shave himself completely. Completely. Chest, hair, eyebrows, everything. Completely shaved. And then on the eighth day, he can go in. And what we're picturing here is seven days, seven days of creation. An eighth day is picturing the new creation. 
this guy is completely clean. He's a new creation. There's a new birth going on. He can now enter God's presence. He even looks like a newborn baby. He's got no hair at all. He's shaved completely. It's a wonderful picture of Christ and the, the cleansing of sin. Other sacrifices are made. The sins of guilt. The sin sacrifice. And what happens there? The blood of these sacrifices, a bit of the blood is put on the right ear of the one to be cleansed, the right thumb and the right big toe. And what's happening here is that he's being identified with the one that was killed. One that is killed, you can be identified with him and go to God's presence. Again, the same thing is used with oil. It's put on the right earlobe, the right thumb and the right toe. And whenever we think of oil, we think of, in the Old Testament, we think of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Spirit. And that's what's happening here as well. It's a wonderful picture of the Gospel. He's identified with the blood of another, and he's also got the anointing to go in to the presence of God. He's identified with the anointing of another. We're identified with Jesus. And then, right at the end, the one cleansed is declared clean by the priest, by the high priest. And then, and only then, can he enter God's dwelling place. So we're cleansed by Jesus. And then Jesus, before God, declares us clean through all of his work on the cross, pictured here in Leviticus. That's a wonderful gospel message. What a wonderful Lord we've got, one of worthy of praising, one of worthy of all thanks and all obedience and all honor. And all service. Amen. Tim Keller says, How religion works. If I obey, then God will love and accept me. But how the gospel works is I'm loved, I'm accepted, therefore I want to obey. I wish to obey. Let's pray. Heavenly Heavenly Father, we just uh, pray now that you will open our eyes to see you as Lord. Pray that you'll open our hearts to serve you as Lord. We pray that you'll open our ears to hear you as Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you'll open our mouths to give shouts of thanks and praise to you as Lord, Saviour. King, Creator, Healer, Redeemer, and High Priest. Amen.